Welcome, 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 everybody, to another edition of the VP Podcast. I am your host, Tanner Coppernall, the founder and the vessel of the Vision Project, directed by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for being here. Your presence is your support. And if you want to go ahead and support us even more, it would help us out so much if after this episode you would like, share, and follow the Vision Project or the VP Podcast. It would be so helpful if you would do that. And if you want to wait to give feedback, go ahead and wait. I'll let you wait through the episode and see what you think about this. But hey, today we are in our first episode after our leadership podcast series. So if you want to go and check that out, that's five episodes on leadership. We're talking about healthy aspects of leadership and how we can grow together in that realm. But today is an exciting day because we're looking at the creative and through a creative lens here. We're looking at the very first short film that I ever shot and I rewatched it again today and I was like man I got to do a podcast on that do a little bit of breakdown and some behind the scenes work and maybe eventually I'll bring in uh, the the leads of the film and so we can discuss that together but hey let's dig into this episode and let's hit that intro shall we here we go welcome to the vision project a place where we strive to give hope and understanding of who Jesus is. We hope today's episode guides you to a better understanding of who he is and how much he loves and cares for you. Have a wonderful day. Well, hey, I was digging through some old archives, you could say. I was creating our brand new website, which you can go ahead and check that out at thevisionproject.weebly.com. It's up, it's running, and it's functional, so go ahead and check it out. You have links to the short films, you have links to the podcast, tons and tons of links there and available for you to get connected here at The Vision Project. But man, I was digging through some of the old stuff that we had done, and I was like, wow, and then I was also like, wow, like, impressive. Uh, <laughs> so there were some wows as in, oh boy, like what was I doing at the point? Why did I choose to do that for the vision project? Goodness. And so I've made some big changes. Um, I've deleted some videos off of YouTube. Some I've even wanted to delete more, but Hey, uh, I, I think that some of it is fruitful and, and the conversation is good. So I left some of those things up, but Hey, it brought me to here and it brought me to this place where I rewatched my first short film and I was thinking man like it is so cool how it all came together and I want to give you guys a little bit of background on how it actually came together I it was probably around the end of November in 2019 so I I believe it was the, the end of November in 2019 and I was sitting in this exact room, wow, in my bedroom, <laughs> my old bedroom, which is now the studio, um, where I was laying in bed, and I was looking up, and I just couldn't sleep. And 
all of a sudden, like just suddenly out of nowhere, I got this really vivid vision of this short film. And I was like, that was so cool. I want to do that. And I feel like that is exactly what God wanted me to do. And so I was like, dude, I got to text my friend Diligent, who was clearly the one that was in the dream. And I knew I was supposed to contact him immediately. Like, I knew that I was supposed to reach out to Diligent, which shout out to my guy, Diligent. Dilly, I'm going to leave your social handles down in the show notes, man, because this guy is just extremely gifted and extremely amazing brother. I'm beyond blessed that I had not only just the opportunity to shoot this film with him, but the the fact that he's just one of the best friends that I've ever had. Uh, Just a great brother in Christ and get this like this was like one or two in the morning and I reach out to him and within like five minutes the guy gets back to me and is like yeah like this vision was so so clear that I had like as I'm sitting in my bed and I'm looking up and I'm having this vision that is so clear it just gives me this urgency to text him like immediately is like dude like I don't know what this is for I don't know what this means but man I feel like I'm supposed to do this and whether or not you say yes, I'm going to do it. And he was exactly the person that was in the vision. And he was the one that ended up being the one that was in the film. And that's just incredible the way that God works in that way. And so from there, we go to production and we start everything discussing, you know, how we can fill the plot holes, how we can fill you know, some of the some of the in-betweens. Um, and if we were to put this in a talent show, which we end up wanting to do, at that point, it was going to be in... Christian Youth Theater's Sacramento Got Talent. And so with that, we were talking to the directors of that, and they were saying that they wanted us to bring it down shorter because the shorter and sweeter that you can make it, the more likely you're to get into the show. So you actually have to audition for the talent show and then get into the talent show. And so at that point, it was really trying to bring in people to discuss how we can compress this really unique detailed plot into this compressed amount of time because they were giving us such a short amount of time I was like okay I I need to figure this out with somebody who is really good at writing and so I reached out to Aubrey Muffet who also wrote the entire spoken word for the second short film and I was blessed that Austin Nunn offered me the opportunity to make that short film and that I could do it through uh, the vision project and be have it be a part of my ministry but man it was such a cool opportunity to just work with Aubrey both those times for both the short films man Aubrey's awesome she she really helped uh, the vision project create these stories and I really appreciate her but uh, man it, it was so cool to have all of us coming together you know grab Aubrey grab Sean who played the evangelist and and diligent and just sit in a Mel's diner and discuss how we can really make a detailed and raw emotion-filled narrative to be placed in this short and compressed time. And so getting us together in that mails and discussing, you know, how we can make this work. And that was the day of shooting. Like we got together, we figured out the rest of the plot because we knew the core and the key aspects of the film and how we wanted to do it. And so Diligent Sean and I, we got in there and I said, okay, 
today is the beginning of film. We know what we're going to do today. We know how we're going to handle it. Let's just figure out how we can get this compressed. And Diligent and I, after that, we go. And that's when we go and we shop for stuff. We're going to Goodwills. We're going to thrift stores. We're cramming this huge shopping cart into my tiny little Toyota Corolla. And man, what a miracle that was because... (laughs) I, I didn't think it was gonna fit and I didn't think I didn't think we were gonna be able to get a shopping cart for this film. So we made it work, we made it happen. And no, it wasn't stolen by us. It was found under an overpass where it was over by my house. We grabbed it from under the overpass and we ended up returning it back to its rightful rightful store where it belongs. So no, we didn't steal the shopping cart if anybody's wondering. Um, so it's shooting day. It's production day. We grab all the clothes. We're ripping it up. We're shoving it in dirt so we can make this character look believable. And man, Diligent looks great. He looks so, so good, even better than I had imagined. And it's really awesome. It's go time. And we're starting on the train tracks. And this is the beginning of the scene. After I, you know, I'm done shooting the drone footage, we're going to the train tracks. And we're at the train tracks. And those rocks were so huge, like on the train tracks. And it was so difficult that Diligent had to carry the shopping cart down the train tracks where he was way down there, where I was shooting all the way back. And he was way down there with that shopping cart. And so he carried it all the way down there like a beast. And we start production. This dream that I had been waiting for for such a long time has come to fruition. It's beginning and it's starting. And I'm just thinking, this is so surreal. Like, this is happening. But it felt so real at the same time. It felt so normal and natural to me because this is what I felt like I was made to do. I felt like I was supposed to share and be creative and to share these stories for the glory of God. And so having that being the moment where we kick it off and it was difficult to to start it um, really shows what it means to really start films and to kick you know these films off it's hard it's difficult and it's challenging to get it to the right place to where it's film time and it's go time and you're just all in it at that point and there's no going back it's really hard to get to that point and I think that was kind of symbolic even though it wasn't in the film it definitely was symbolic and so diligent is a beast picks it up and action we start pushing and we have the microphone set up in the cart so you can hear the cart from you know a ways away and uh, there was a lot of different hidden mic moments and I'll tell you that you know a little behind the scenes fun a uh, little Easter egg is that we were hiding the mic in so many different places it was inside a shirt it was inside the shopping cart which inside the shopping cart was the best because he could just put his blanket um, that we had cut up or, and, and all dirty in there, and we could just have the microphone inside the blanket. And so that was cool. And I knew that there was going to be the sequence that he was traveling uh, from a long ways away. And so that's where we had him coming down the train tracks, getting off the train tracks, going down the town. I didn't want it to be an inner city um, kind of character because I felt like this character the way that his heart was, was a small town kind of character. And that's what we kind of discussed, you know, Diligent and I were having this discussion, you know, in the midst of that production process is when we looked at Genesis, when we looked at Gene, 
we discussed that we felt like he wasn't like the off the rails mentally because of drugs or because he was you know in the inner cities and in with the bad groups of homeless people and stuff like that we felt like he was an isolated character and that's kind of like that that symbolism of that hometown feel is that you know they're kind of isolated and you know alone and um kind of sitting in their emotions and so that's who this character is you know they are in their emotions and as we shoot this film in black and white it really plays to the emotion of the character it truly is a symbolism and it's a very purposeful symbolism if you were under ever wondering that was a very purposeful symbolism was to have the film shot in black and white because that's the emotion of gene he is broken he is hurt from his past and the moment where he goes into a dream sequence is kind of like reality he's like popping out of this uh masked version of himself and he's coming into who he once was and he's realizing that his wife has loved him and always will love him and that he needs to step up in terms of his character and who he is because it's not who he is it's not truly who he is he's not somebody who's you know lonesome and broken and you know truly his identity is joyful and he was somebody that played music you know with his wife it, you can hear Rebecca say you know come play a song for me so I can dance that was their relationship they had a very personal and beautiful relationship and so Rebecca saying you know come back to who you are come play this guitar because this is who you were once before but because there's kind of this block there's this wall in between him and being who he once was because of the brokenness the pain and the sorrow that he's dealing with with dealing with this loss and the grieving process that he can't go and he can't pick up that guitar because he's struggling so much with the idea that his wife is gone and his wife loved music and his wife danced to music and so the thought of music pains him so those were kind of the main symbolisms i guess you could say is that there's the black and white and when he's you know you see the shot in color it's kind of him coming back to his normal self in those dream sequences he's realizing that there was a past self where there was a joyful self where there was a past life where he can enjoy the things that he did and so color shows the vibrance the beauty of life and that he was missing out on that aspect and so uh, there was also another kind of you know sort of symbolism is when he was sleeping and there were those heartbeat sensors going on and it's kind of echoey and bassy and uh, eerie almost uh, the camera was upside down and I had the camera upside down so that when he wakes up from his dream I could flip the camera and so I have this this gimbal uh, and I have it upside down and so when I take this gimbal well it's actually a steadicam not a gimbal excuse me it's not motorized it's a, a handheld one and I have it upside down for one shot on one day and then we have to land in the same spot a different day and I flip the camera um, and rotate it as he sits up and it's kind of him coming out of that reality that he feels like he's stuck in and so you know, there's tons of different symbolisms in this film, and there's a reason for that. When we were discussing the production process and we were sitting at that table at Mel's, we're like, we really want this film to be a film where people can imagine what the characters do 
in between the lines because what we're seeing is not everything. What we're seeing is not necessarily everything that has been played out thus far. You know, what happened in between him and the train, you know, the train tracks to the dumpster, what happened between him traveling from that point over to the restaurant where he gets kicked out. You know, there's so many different in between the lines where you can only imagine, you know, what this character is going through and he's just dealing with all of this pain. But when we were talking about the process and what we wanted this story to be is we wanted it to be interpretive. We wanted it to be imaginative, you know, an opportunity for the audience to create the story in their own mind, to fill in those blanks, because we just naturally do that. That's how we think. That's why if there's an abrupt ending, you know, you think about what's going to happen next and you process, you know, what the possibilities are for a character. And so, yeah, there's tons of different, you know, symbolisms, that guitar, it's that music, it's that symbolism of picking back up, you know, reality, coming back to you know, his senses, and so there's so many different symbolisms, and you can clearly see it on screen, and there's, you know, some things that you can read in between the lines that are fascinating, and that's why I love, love, love this story. Now, I, I've i talked about symbolisms, and I've talked about, you know, kind of the character, and, you know, more of the, the plot lines, and how we constructed the story itself, but I wanted to kind of talk about the technical sides of this and how interesting you know some of the you know the techniques were for my process as a director and man I tell you this movie this film was kind of a pain at some points um, I know that Sean and Diligent can probably remember there was an entire dream sequence that we shot and it was the same one that you see on screen where he's going and he's looking at the guitar and everything and what we did with the mic we didn't see the first time and so we were so upset because it was so bright outside it was like just extremely bright it was the afternoon and which was you know perfect for us for filming but when we shot it the first time we had the mic on the back of his neck which now that I think about it we didn't necessarily need it for the entire scene we just need it for that one part where he says I don't think I can when when Rebecca says, you know, you know, play this song for me so I can dance. Please do it for me. And he says, you know, I can't. I can't do this. And, you know, that's probably the only point that he would, you know, ever need to use the mic. But the entire first time that we shot it, and it took us a pretty long time, which is actually really funny because we went through the hassle of going to this person's house. We didn't know the person. I just I saw a door and I was like, that door looks really nice. <laughs> And I uh, went and I knocked on that person's door and I said, hey, we're shooting a short film. Is there any chance that we can just use the front of your house for this part of a dream sequence? It'll be really short. It'll be really quick. And we shoot it and we're done. And it took like probably like 15, 20 minutes to get everything right. And we go and we're kind of sitting in the car. And I'm like, dude, you can see the cord sticking out of his neck. So we had it on the back of his neck for some reason. I don't even know why. And you can just see it's just really obviously sticking out of the side. And you're like, oh my gosh, how did we not notice that? And so we went back from that moment. And the people were like, when we got back to their house, were kind of like looking through the window like, what the heck is going on? Which, shout out to those people who allowed us to shoot a short film in the front of their house. Like, 
just a bunch of you know guys just creating this short film and they're probably like what the heck is going on but it w- turned out great it turned out awesome and I, I love that door it's it's a great door i wish i could steal that door um but man we went back and we shot it again and i was like are you kidding me like this is getting ridiculous and then there was another point where we had issues with the mic and so it's when he's sitting on the side of the road and he's holding up that cardboard sign and cars are going by well we had a, a wireless feed that was going to the mic that he had and so in order to match what was going on you would have to have a, a clear way but the cars were passing by and blocking and cutting the audio out and I thought you know maybe it was just a glitch that I was hearing because he was far away and it was recording correctly but then we realized when we looked at it back and we played it back it didn't record it correct correctly excuse me and there actually were cuts it actually was happening in real time and I was thinking dang it like it was the cars that were driving by and so I literally went back to that exact part of the road the side of that road on that sidewalk I grabbed my iPhone and I started recording all the cars that were going by at a different time this was at a completely different time I went back because I was like dang it we didn't get the the audio and so I all I did was record on my iPhone and I recorded cars going on that same street so that we can get you know a similar frequency to what we had before you know if we would have had it correctly the first time and so I just dubbed over that and along with that on that same scene where it cuts to Sean pulling up Sean didn't have a mic in that car. We didn't have two mics accessible. So it just was diligence mic. And then you could barely hear Sean in the the background very hintly saying, you know, you know, Jesus loves you so much, man. Know that for real. And you just hear it very faintly, like just very, very, you know, quiet. And so I said, Sean, you're a rapper and you're very good with time. I need you to record in this separate mic and say it exactly the same way that you did. <laughs> exactly the same way that you did at the exact time. And so what we did is we played it on the camera. <laughs> this is hilarious. We played it on the camera and had Sean dub over himself so that he had a clear <laughs> sound with what he was saying. And so you could the audience could clearly hear what he was saying rather than Jesus loves you a lot man know that for real Jesus you like you hear it like just a clear audio difference a clear sound and volume difference and so we were able to dub Sean's voice at a separate time over him actually saying that in the scene and it's exactly the way he said it he was spot on so it looks very very natural for for him to say that got the tone and everything right so that was another technical problem um and I guess the last thing was just that that scene where he wakes up and he's raging. He's upset about that nightmare and, w- and he's dealing with a lot of emotions internally. And so he's, you know, hitting the wall and he's throwing things and whatnot. And I was just like, I want more. <laughs> Diligent, I want more. Diligent, I want a little bit more this time. And I think it was about the fifth time. And, you know, get this, like Diligent is like slamming his hands on that brick wall and it's freezing cold this is like december or january it was january i think when we were filming this yeah it had to be january when we were filming this and he was slapping the wall 
and this man like i'm i'm pretty positive like his you know skin started to crack and everything and it was like really hurting he was like dude this is like hurting me i don't know if i can i was like you know up to you you got it like if if you want to go for it go for it if not we'll just go with the last take and so he ended up doing it that last take and we got it and we nailed it um and he did everything perfect we flipped the camera correctly that time he was slapping the wall as hard as he had ever done it and then he chucked whatever he was chucking out of the shopping cart as hard as he could and so yeah we had a couple of different technical issues <laughs> in this and it just we're so glad to see the way that it all worked out because the way that God orchestrated it is better than what we could have ever and I mean ever imagine this film the way it turned out I am so beyond blessed for my first short film that it turned out this way and you know on the the other part of the technical side became the editing side and man I spent so much time and you can ask Caitlin <laughs> you know how invested I was in this you know everywhere I went it seemed like I had my laptop on me and I was working on this because you know I was on a time crunch but I also was a huge perfectionist with this film and you know from the music to the way that we shot scenes to the lighting to everything I wanted to make sure that we got it 100% right and with the music I originally was like okay I will buy music that will fit the theme and something just wasn't sitting right with me when I was thinking about that I was like ah, but I want to be original I want to be somebody that's creative enough to be original and to be able to do it on his own rather than being so reliant, if that makes sense. And so I just decided I was going to do that too. Like I was just going to do the music. And so with my laptop on me, and at the time I didn't have a keyboard that plugged into my computer or anything. So I literally used my laptop and the keyboard on my laptop to create this music that fit with the theme. And I was playing around on my laptop in GarageBand. Also crazy. I did all the music in GarageBand. And I clicked two notes. And I was thinking after I hit those two notes, okay, something complements that. Something goes along with that note. What is it? And then I played... And I was thinking, well, this is a lighter, sweeter tone, or almost a romantic tone, because what I was trying to create with this is that whenever this music would play, it would be symbolic. See, now I'm talking about symbolisms again. This music was symbolic to Rebecca and Jean's relationship. So whenever you would hear the tone of, In that tone right there, you would imagine the past relationship that Gene and his wife had. Like what I imagine whenever I was playing that song with any sort of instrument on the keyboard, I imagined the two of them dancing in their living room in the front of their house. I just imagined them being right in that window, right to the right of that guitar, that you see in the dream sequence and I could just see them dancing around and laughing and looking into each other's eyes and 
really admiring one another because of their great love for one another. And so really that song was a romantic song and I call it Rebecca's theme. That's the the song that I at least I call it because it is meant to be symbolic to whenever Gene thinks about his wife or imagines his wife. That's the song that is played. And so when the song's being played at the beginning and he's walking down these you know, these railroad tracks and he's walking down the town and he's walking to the dumpster and that song is being played. He's thinking about the consequence of his loss and he's sitting in sorrow and he's sitting in sadness and brokenness. And that's what's causing him to think about this tune, this tune that he wish would be complemented with a true relationship rather than just his imagination. So what we see is a broken man living in a lot of sorrow, living in a lot of hurt, and he's lonely. But this tune keeps playing in his head, and it's almost haunting him, and that's why he is so appalled with music, is because it reminds him so much of his wife, because that's who his wife was, somebody that complimented him, someone that brought him joy, someone that brought him that love that he's missing out on that love that he found identity in for such a long time. Now, along with that, I want to talk about the biblical sort of symbolism. We see a lot of brokenness in this world. And in this short film, I imagined this broken man dealing with loss. And really, this film is what triggered the idea of having Testimony Tuesdays talking about loss, discussing the grieving process, is because a lot of people have dealt with this issue. Everyone has lost somebody in some way or form. And when we're looking at the character of Gene, he is somebody that is wrestling with God. He is wrestling with the idea of God and how God could allow something bad to happen to a good person. His wife was incredible. The relationship he had with his wife was amazing. And yet, now he's sitting here questioning the existence of God, his past faithfulness to God, and why a just God, a loving God, that pursues people with love would allow for his wife to die. And as you hear the heart beat sensors flatline, right? You hear the flatline and you hear it echoing. It's this really eerie moment because you know that it's in his mind. And you know that he's struggling with this idea that his wife died, his best friend died. And his best friend's gone. And how do you deal with that sort of loss without going crazy? How do you deal with that sort of loss without throwing away the idea of God. And having that accountability, having that community, what this film really encouraged was community, was friendship, was brotherhood, was love, true love that in John 15 verse 13, it says, greater is no love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. The evangelist, Sean's character, was unashamed 
to let that broken person know that they don't have to feel broken anymore because there is an opportunity to see Jesus in the middle, to see Jesus in the heartbreak, to see Jesus in the hurt. And I love Sean's character because that's who he is, right? <laughs> that's just, he is an evangelist. That is who Sean is as a person. But he portrayed that role so correctly because it's the way that we should act. When we see somebody throwing away the idea of God, when we see somebody throwing away their Bible, when we see somebody throwing away true love, true love, we should be chasing after them. We should be seeking after them. Even if in the world's eyes that it seems creepy and weird and awkward, Sean's character didn't think about those things, didn't think about that sort of embarrassment. Sean's character was relentless with chasing after Gene. He had this love that is abnormal. He had this love that was genuine. He had this love that was true. And Gene never thought that he would have anybody love him that way again. And there comes this evangelist man who brings him back the truth literally in this Bible and brings color, life, back into his life. This is what we see with this film. We see that this film deals with the struggle of one man's mind, a man that's dealing with the grieving process, that's dealing with that heartbreak. And man, I want to create so many more stories where we are able to inspire people to see the love of Christ through the art of storytelling. That I'm able to create stories that inspire people to see the hope of Christ in the midst of heartbreak. Through impossible stories, it is possible to have hope. Through impossible stories, it is possible to have love. Through these impossible times, it is possible to live to find Jesus, to find truth, to find life. And in the middle of all of this breakdown of this film and talking about, you know, the characters and what they're going through emotionally and, you know, what they're dealing with and that, you know, all of these characters play a key part in representing how Christ does his work in the middle of these kinds of situations. What you realize is, in the end, when you look at, both of these characters one character I don't want to be the other character I desire to be or one character I am and one character I am not and so this allows for the audience to have a reflective time to look on their life and to say what character am I am I the person that kicked out the homeless guy out of the restaurant? Am I the homeless guy that is dealing with the issues of loss and struggling with the idea of God? Am I the evangelist that is chasing after that broken person that needs Jesus so desperately? What character am I? And so that's what I love about this story. And if I had to redo it again, I probably wouldn't. 
I probably wouldn't change a thing. I love this story. And if there are any imperfections, which nothing's perfect, I love it anyways. I love that it's my first short film, and that's something that I can show on my portfolio of, yeah, I make short films. Here's the very first one that I ever made. And it's all because of that vision that God gave me. And man, if you've made it this far here in this episode, I want to thank you so, so much for being here and for joining me on today's episode. Hey, maybe we can do more episodes like this where I break down my short films, which I only have two, but hey, I would love to bring in my other fellow brothers and sisters that have worked on these films with me and have them discuss their perspective on the short film and talk about you know their sort of breakdown of the characters, the people that portrayed the characters, how they viewed the character and how they played that character, or even just people on the outside that were talking about you know the the film and how it impacted their life. You know, I would love to bring people in like that. So, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and like, follow, and subscribe to the Vision Project. That would help us so so much, man. I would just greatly appreciate it if you would just take that short amount of time just to help support us in this ministry a little bit more like i said this year i would love to push out more content and i was able to push out a couple more things at the beginning of the year and i'm looking forward to pushing out more content through this year and hey if there is a little bit of a pause it is because i am officially moving across the country to jacksonville florida I am so excited about the move and the opportunity that I have at Christ Church, FBC family. I love you all, and I'm so, so grateful for the time that we've had. And man, this friendship will never end. This relationship that we have will never end. I'm looking forward to many more memories with you guys in the future when we come and visit or when you come and visit us in Florida. But I'm excited for this new adventure for Caitlin and I and our new baby daughter that is on the way here in June of 2022. So, man, keep on the lookout for more content. Be on the lookout for more episodes coming out soon. I'm hoping to do more episodes like this this year so we can talk about how to be creative for the creator. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you in the next one. See ya.